the week in doubt, religious news stories from a skeptical perspective, random musings on everything from pop culture to politics, and even audio documentaries on weird and interesting topics like Krampus and the history of the holidays. The Week in Doubt, a podcast for atheists, agnostics, and whoever. Hey everyone, I'm Phil Albertelli, the host of The Week in Doubt, and this is episode 328. Okay, so a little bit of housekeeping to take care of. Some of you may be aware that last week I accidentally released a Patreon bonus episode into the public feed. I thought I was publishing episode 327, but I absentmindedly attached the wrong audio file. I had recorded the Patreon bonus show around the same time as that week's regular episode, and they were near each other on my desktop. I got a tweet from Crocoduck around midnight, and he was like, uh, I think we may have gotten the wrong episode in the feed. So I checked it out, and I was like, oh shit. A couple of other listeners uh, alerted me to the situation as well. And I got some friendly ribbing about the subject matter. In the Patreon bonus episode, I go on about the state of my libido, dealing with sexual side effects of antidepressants, etc. But I'm pretty sure I've touched on that on the main show, too, in the past. I usually don't shy away from sharing embarrassing personal anecdotes or information on the show. Um, My septo-rhinoplasty, my adult circumcision, antidepressants, my Ativan overdose when I was a teenager, etc., etc. By the way, if you're a guy out there, and maybe it helps women in this department too, I'm not sure, but if you're dealing with the sexual side effects of antidepressants, try Yohimbine. Uh, Just saying. Improves blood flow and sensation. Fair warning though, the side effects can take you by surprise if you're not ready. Uh, It can kind of rev you up and make you feel kind of nervous or jittery, and even make you feel like you've got the chills. As horrible as that sounds, I've found it to be the case that your body kind of adjusts or builds a tolerance. Every morning, I pop a Yohimbean and a couple of white vein kratom to get the day started. There's more embarrassing information. I don't know why that's embarrassing, really, but uh, makes me sound like some kind of herbal pillhead. And it might sound like I'm saying Yohimbean, like a Senzu bean or Boston baked bean, but it's actually an I-N-E suffix. And it's it's actually it's just like a processed version of Yohimbi, the plant from which it's derived. And it is kind of embarrassing stuff to talk about, but I think as I was saying in that bonus episode that got leaked into the wild, you know, when you find an antidepressant that works for you, usually the, the sexual side effects aren't that bad when you do find the right medication. But there can still be some degree of sexual side effect like there can be eh, some decrease in libido and maybe some like lack of sensation and uh it's been pretty well studied uh this isn't just some kind of hippie new agey type of uh thing um there's some pretty solid scientific studies about the efficacy of yohimbine or yohimbi as a way to kind of reverse the sexual side effects of ssris And I don't want to get sued, so make sure to consult your doctor before trying Yohimbine or before consuming any other weird shit recommended by some random podcaster. 
But if you're one of those early downloaders who accidentally got that, uh, that Patreon bonus episode, I hope you enjoyed it. And if you haven't already figured this out on your own, you can delete the episode and refresh the feed, and the real episode 327 should appear for your uh, listening pleasure. And I'm thinking about officially releasing that Patreon episode to the public since the cat's already out of the bag, so to speak. Hopefully my Patreon supporters don't mind. I guess I could consider it a kind of bonus preview, and hopefully if people like it, it might encourage or inspire them to become Patreon supporters themselves. A podcaster can dream. And there's something I've been meaning to mention on the show, and no, they're not a sponsor. It's just something I started using personally that I thought other podcast junkies might appreciate. It's this app I found out about through the drunken peasants called PodCoin, and I have no idea how the heck they make money off of it. It's basically just a podcast player similar to Apple's official podcast app, but you earn credits for listening. And when you accumulate enough, you can exchange them for electronic gift cards or charitable donations. It's pretty cool, but like I said, no idea how they make money off of it. Unless they're accumulating analytical data about podcast consumption that they then turn around and sell. Uh, whatever the story is, I dig it. And now it's my default way of listening to podcasts. I've yet to reach the payout threshold, so I'll keep you informed in the future as to whether it's legit or not. Uh, it came to mind, though, because I noticed no matter how many times I deleted that Patreon episode I accidentally leaked and refreshed the stream, it never updates correctly, and the Patreon episode just stays there. It's like it's rubbing my uh, my mistake in my face. I can almost hear uh, Nelson Muntz going, ha ha. Oh well. Someone with a voice like mine should never attempt falsetto. That was horrible. If you want to hear about another embarrassing anecdote from my past, I remember when uh, my band first played out, it was at like a nearby American Legion. We were in high school. Of course, you know, I was uh, the singer. And uh, we did a cover of Led Zeppelin's uh, The Immigrant Song. And there's a world of difference between my voice or my range and, uh, and Robert Plant's. And I attempted that the falsetto at the beginning of the immigrant song did not go so well. I'm assuming that's falsetto. If it's not, then Robert Plant has even more of an impressive range than I already thought. But anyway, wow, that was a long intro. I haven't even gotten to the Facebook likes yet. They keep rolling in. Don't know where they're coming from all of a sudden, but thanks. And as promised, here's another 10 shoutouts. So we have Joel Bob, Kyle Merck, Susan Magliato, Mark Schroeder. Not sure if I gave Mark a uh, shout out last week. Can't remember. Stephen Hunter, Jose A. Guevara M., Lucas Lucas, Dylan R.N. Crab, Ross Albert, and Mark Paired. I'm not sure if that was exactly 10. <laughs> I had trouble counting and uh, paying attention to the names at the same time. I'll be all right, displaying my cognitive acumen once again. I've been having a lot of fun on the Facebook page lately. More people has meant more interaction, and it's been exciting seeing things pick up. 
But anyway, on with the show. So recently I mentioned how I haven't been listening to Sam Harris's uh, podcast lately, that maybe I was kind of bored of the content or whatever, and I felt kind of bad for some reason. Maybe it's because I've been following Sam Harris for so long that seemed like kind of a, uh, a mini betrayal or just a negative or disrespectful thing to say. So I decided to catch up with old Sam and see what's popping. And I noticed he had an episode where he interviews an author who wrote a book on consciousness, and that definitely piqued my interest, so I gave it a listen. And I was pleasantly surprised when I realized the guest was actually his wife. The fact that they share the same uh, last name just seemed to kind of fly right over my head like a cognitively challenged airplane. I don't know what that means. <laughs> but I really enjoyed the chemistry between Sam and his wife. I've never heard him laugh like that before. Well, actually, I think I've heard Douglas Murray make Sam laugh a couple of times, too. It's nice to see that Vulcan facade uh, crack every once in a while. So the subject of consciousness just really interests me. Then on top of that, Sam's wife, Annika, actually speaks about her struggle with migraines. And as a migraine sufferer myself, that definitely grabbed my attention. And I believe the subject came up while they were discussing mindfulness. And I've heard of things like mindfulness meditation and cognitive behavioral therapy being used to treat things like migraines and chronic pain. Personally, I've found that as valuable as those things are. I try to make meditation and CBT a part of my regular routine. I find that I usually reach a point where I'm like, okay, this is nice and all, but I'm going to need some kind of chemical assistance here. Uh, this pain's too severe. Bring on the SSRIs, you know? But still fascinating stuff, and I really dug the episode. Okay, so wow, this next subject. I'm going to try to tread lightly here because both of the parties involved have actually been really nice to me in the past. And this concerns the non-sequitur show. I've mentioned them repeatedly on the podcast. If you're not familiar, they are, were, a podcast slash YouTube channel that's been around for a relatively short period of time, maybe a few years at the most, I think. And over that relatively short period of time, they've been becoming increasingly popular. If I wasn't such a fan of the show, I'd probably be, maybe am, a little jealous. I think I remember when they actually had fewer subscribers than me. I have roughly 6,000 subscribers. They have approximately 30,000, I think. If I'm not mistaken, I may have originally heard about them through friend and listener Matthew Scharnweber. In the early days, they had some really interesting guests on, various professors and scholars. Uh, you might be familiar with Digital Hammurabi, uh, Egyptologists, various scientists and thinkers, etc. And that's not meant to be a dig. I think th they've continued to have interesting guests on the show. But I remember just really appreciating that early period and finding that content especially intellectually stimulating. And like a lot of people, I enjoyed the seeming chemistry between the two hosts, Kyle and Steve. And I was really surprised when, while watching The Drunken Peasants a couple of nights ago, uh, you know, upon hearing that there was supposedly some kind of ugly drama going on concerning the non-sequitur show. And Kyle and Steve had appeared together on The Drunken Peasants a number of times, and they always seemed to get along really well. They just kind of let their hair down and joke around with each other and with Billy and Ben, the, uh, the hosts of The Drunken Peasants. But I guess behind the scenes, there was something kind of ugly festering, and it finally came to a head. 
The drama floodgates just kind of burst open. All around the same time, a live stream discussing the drama aired, as well as a pre-show recording that I guess wasn't meant to see the light of day, uh, where things got pretty ugly. So as I mentioned earlier, both parties, Kyle and Steve, have been really nice to me in the past. I'm not trying to suggest that I know them all that well or that I have a personal relationship with either of them. That's not the case. I've just had quick passing exchanges with them online, but they were really positive. I did some response videos to episodes of their show, and both Kyle and Steve took the time to leave positive messages in the comments section, and Steve was actually good enough to give the show a shout-out on Twitter, which was greatly appreciated. And so this is why I'm trying to tread lightly. I, I contemplated not covering this story at all, but as a fan of the show, I almost feel compelled to talk about it just to help myself process everything. And also, since day one, I've always tried to choose subjects that are both on topic, having something to do with atheism, religion, the uh, so-called atheist or skeptic community, and that uh, also personally interests me. So why not? You know, let's dig in. So as I was saying, all this finally came to a head in a pre-show recording. I say pre-show, but things got so ugly that there ended up not being a show that night. I guess Steve, and to help put things in context, Steve McRae had been around for a while. I, I believe he uh, is the person behind the great debate community, the uh, founder or creator. So he already had something of a following, and I believe he had already ventured into podcasting. And he was, still is, friendly with a lot of fairly high-profile online thinkers, philosophers, skeptic types, etc., and it was Steve that provided the non-sequitur show with a lot of those really interesting and popular guests early on. And as Steve tells it, and yeah, this is what I was kind of saying, he had already had a podcast and he was approached by Kyle Curtis, who wanted to know if he wanted to start up a new podcast with the suggestion that he would take care of the creative aspects, music, graphics, etc. And Steve, with his connections, would provide the guests as well as bringing his own knowledge of philosophy and science to the table. And I guess the understanding from day one is that it would be 50-50 that they would be equal partners. And then over time, problems started to fester. Steve began to have the suspicion that he was slowly being edged out of the picture. Suspicions that were probably somewhat justified in retrospect, seeing as Kyle began to bring all sorts of additional quote-unquote co-hosts on. And he even started experimenting with new show ideas airing these new fledgling series on the non-sequitur channel, like Ad Homies or Ad Homies uh, with Mr. Atheist. And he had another one he hosted with uh, Godless Engineer's wife, I believe. I, th I think her name's KC. And I remember at first thinking that this was a little weird. I was like, where's Steve in the usual format we know and love? Uh, what's with these new shows? But Kyle and Steve always seemed to get along fairly well on air, so I figured they must have some kind of understanding, or Steve must be cool with it. But it seems like this wasn't necessarily the case. Kyle was bringing these new people in that Steve didn't really know, and Steve was beginning to feel shut out. And I guess initially the YouTube channel was Steve's idea. Originally the show was an audio-only podcast. Steve handed the YouTube channel over to Kyle upon Kyle's request, uh, supposedly so he could handle metrics or search engine uh, optimization, that kind of stuff. I think Steve said it was him uh, also who created the Patreon account, uh, him being Steve. 
But I guess as of today, Steve's pretty much been shut out of all that stuff and has yet to be paid or see any earnings. And things get a little murky here because supposedly there was some situation where Steve wanted Kyle to hold on to the money and pay him incrementally. There was some reason why Steve had to be careful about how much uh, money he received at once. I thought it was mentioned that might have something to do with uh, some kind of medical stuff or something. His detractors were trying to imply that he was doing something sketchy or trying to game the system. But as Steve himself explains it, he's a vet and receives VA benefits uh, no matter what. And there was uh, nothing sketchy going on. So he did have a certain way concerning how and when he wanted to receive his payouts. But I guess things start to drag on. Steve was waiting for payments and making requests to see the book, supposedly to no avail. So uh, apparently Steve felt like a conversation about all this was long overdue and that Kyle had been avoiding it for weeks. So finally Steve, his friend and reoccurring non-sequitur guest Red's Rhetoric and their producer, finally kind of penned Kyle in and confronted him in the aforementioned uh, pre-show face-off. And things didn't go so well. Kyle accused Steve of not pulling his weight, of not really contributing all that much, and, uh, and I'm paraphrasing in fairness. Well, he, Kyle, provided the graphics and music, etc. And Kyle uh, went as far as to say that it would no longer be a 50-50 arrangement and there would be no more payments in perpetuity, despite their handshake agreement from day one that they would be equal partners or co-owners or whatever. And as you can imagine, this did not go over well with Steve. He's usually pretty laid back or stoic, but that really got his back up, and I don't blame him. If someone I co-founded a podcast or show with suddenly told me that I was no longer entitled to my 50% share and I would no longer be earning money in perpetuity, I would be pretty pissed too. And as a YouTuber myself, one thing that came to mind to me was Google AdSense. Popular videos can go on to earn revenue for years to come. If ads are running on all those old episodes with Steve, isn't he entitled to his fair share of those future earnings? And the Teespring and merch came up, and Kyle tried to claim that since he created or designed the merch, he was entitled to all the money. And it was really funny, but a great point at the same time. Steve just fires back with, You have my face on a mug! And as something of an artist myself, I can see wanting some kind of compensation for creative work or maybe feeling because of that work you're entitled to a larger cut of the merch revenue. But the branding on the merchandise still belongs to both of you. It represents a company or an endeavor that you both co-founded and that you're both partners in. So I would say Steve or the theoretical partner not actually doing the designing is still entitled to a slice of the merch pie. And just to put things into context, supposedly the non-sequitur show is making about 4000 a month. I don't know if that was just Patreon or everything together, but damn, I'm like 4000 I make about 48 bucks a month. <laughs> what? N well, not with my day job, but with the podcast, you know? Uh, my day job uh, isn't so great either. Um, what non-existent entity do I have to sell my soul to? 4000 a month, holy shit. And as I was saying, around this time, there was also a, a live hangout or stream where Steve, Reds, and some others discussed all this. And there's this woman named Shannon Q who would sometimes appear on the Non Sequitur show. 
And I heard she was catching a lot of hate on social media, and I was like, really? She's always seemed so nice. What are people so mad about? Then I went and watched that hangout, and holy crap, at some point she comes on, and she's just like in banshee mode right off the bat, raising her voice, being really combative, going on about how she just came from talking to Kyle, and he's very upset. The one thing she said that really rubbed me the wrong way was when she was tearing into Steve and angrily suggesting that she's uh, a co-host too and she doesn't earn anything, acting like Steve is just another minor co-host on a rotation and has no reason to be so upset or to expect uh, the compensation he's due. And I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? Do you really not recognize the difference between being a kind of minor guest host on a rotation and being a co-founder of a podcast who's supposed to be an equal partner since day one? You know, give me a break and uh, pardon the F-bomb. I had kind of a violent F-bomb in the last episode too, which I felt bad about. I think I was venting my frustration about... um. Dave Rubin and having the same guests on and uh, I don't know, whatever it was I was uh, talking about, it kind of got the better uh, of me and I ended up dropping a pretty vicious F-bomb. But out of respect for Steve, I know he and others want to make sure that people weren't too hard on Shannon Q, so I'll just leave it there, but man, that, you know, that got under my skin. But I watched the first episode of the Non Sequitur uh, show since all this went down and man, the like-to-dislike ratio was brutal. I think there were over 900 downvotes, and the comment section was filled with people defending Steve and calling out Kyle. And I guess the channels lost about uh, two or 3,000 subs, but in fairness, all that considered, their sub count is still, you know, it still drastically dwarfs my own. Gotta keep it real. So who knows what will happen now? Only time will tell. I think Steve will continue doing his thing on his own channel and is enjoying a lot of uh, support right now. How will the non-sequitur show fare in the long run? Will it successfully, you know, continue on or rise from the ashes? I don't know. Or will it just serve in memory as a cautionary tale to other content creators? And so I really was a fan of both Kyle and Steve. You know, I loved them both. Uh, I loved their chemistry, loved watching the show. But you can probably tell by the way, you know, I'm talking here that my sympathies uh, pretty much lie or lay with Steve here. Uh, but as I understand it, Kyle has been going through a lot lately. And while all of this was going down, he was dealing with the stress of waiting for biopsy results. As someone who comes from a family riddled with cancer, I definitely feel for him on that count, and I hope that his test results come back negative, and I wish him good health. That being said, I think it's fair to say that these issues have been festering long before his health concerns arose, and it had to come to a head at some point. And I probably don't need to add that as cold as it might sound, being struck with a medical condition or ailment, no matter how serious, it doesn't absolve you of wrongdoing or not honoring an agreement. You can have sympathy for the person and wish them well, and yet still be able to say, hey, you know, you did the other guy dirty and that's not cool, you know? But man, it's just a really messed up situation. And as a fan of the show and someone who liked both these guys, 
you know, finding out about all of this and watching that, uh, you know, that pre-show recording or whatever, it's just really, really depressing. Uh, wow. And it kind of took me to a place in my past that I'm not, you know, too proud of. I think I'm technically still in a band. We just don't, <laughs> we just don't play anymore. I'm in a band with some of my best friends. But I've been playing music with people since high school. And I can remember being like in high school all the way to maybe a little after high school where you're still, you know, young, still have a lot to learn and uh, maybe you're not finished, you know, emotionally maturing, et cetera, et cetera, although that's not an excuse. And there would be times when tension would form in the band where maybe people started to think that a certain band member wasn't pulling their weight enough, or maybe someone better could be found, or maybe, you know, someone was, you could tell someone was going to leave if another person didn't leave first. And there was also stuff back in the day where, you know, my my friends and I have had a habit of falling for girls and getting all hung up on these girls, and the girls would get in the way of the band and be all sorts of drama, people getting cheated on, bringing girlfriends into the jam space and stuff like that. And uh, and I remember, uh, I, I don't really want to get into it, but that was a cause of drama too that was causing like friction between certain band members. And I just remember, and I take a lot of the blame for this, instead of just manning up and being brutally honest, I say brutally, but that's the wrong word because it should be a positive thing. Just being really forthright and honest about our issues and talking to each other and seeing what we can do to resolve the situation constructively without, hopefully without losing, you know, any friends or bandmates or whatever. Instead, it would always kind of go to, um, kind of scheming behind people's backs. Not that we were trying to be mean to other people, but I think at the time we probably just didn't have the balls or the emotional or the emotional maturity to just face the person and try to work stuff out. So instead, you know, you tried to find new members, you know, behind the other person's back, or you'd start slowly kind of trying to nudge the other person out the door in kind of, a, you know, kind of a shitty way. And this all reminds me of that. And, you know, I'm still ashamed of having any part of, of that kind of thing in my own past. And um, I've tried to learn from that, to be more honest in my dealings with people, to just, to, you know... If I have issues with people, just be honest, but good natured at the same time. And and just, you know, try to be honest with the person out of respect for them and try to reach some kind of resolution. Um, so, yeah, this just, you know, this whole thing just depresses me, kind of grosses me out. And I don't know what to think about it. And I was going to cover one more story. I was going to cover a story about lesbian ponies. <laughs> but I feel kind of wiped after uh, after all that. I don't really know how to segue. It was a story about, um, you know, a My Little Pony cartoon that feature features uh, lesbian pony parents or whatever. And right-wing Christians getting uh, all bent out of shape about it. 
But I'm going to call it a wrap. Thanks for listening, everyone. You know the drill. You can like the Facebook page. You can follow the show on Twitter, although I don't really spend that much time on Twitter. You can check out the YouTube channel. Maybe doing that now. Uh, if you want to support the show monetarily, you can go to patreon.com slash the weekend out and support the show for as little as 99 cents a month. All right, brothers and sisters, until next time.